0: there welcome to totally fantastic title i'm krista wallace a number of years ago we had our kitchen remodeled i was really happy with our contractor's work and he had terrific people working for him now he's one of these fellows who is a big guy and he's loud and, that, and that's totally fine except when it comes to him asserting his opinion if I don't agree with it. I've dealt with folks like that before where they argue and they're loud and it's like they're used to getting their way just by being big and loud. But if I don't agree, I just stand there with my arms folded and say, no. <laughs> Very quietly, you know, he's like, blah, 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 blah. No. So we were at the point where the counters were done and whatever else. And I asked about how long the next steps were going to take. Well, we have to do this and we have to do that. And then we got to tile. And I knew what he was referring to, but I waited until he was finished. And then the electrician's gone to do such and such. So when he finished, I said, innocently, what is it you're going to tile? Well, the backsplash. Now, at no time did we ever discuss a tile pattern or anything. In all the talks about paint colors, cupboards, and countertops, this was the first time it had come up. And I said, we aren't going to have a backsplash. Not going to have a backsplash! You gotta have a backsplash! No, I don't. But how are you going to clean? Um, with a cloth. But everybody has a backsplash. You gotta have a backsplash. N- no, I don't. And then he he went on ad nauseum, indicating that all his work will have been for naught. The project would forever look incomplete because we didn't want a backsplash. I said, I don't need one. I've never had a backsplash before, and it's been fine. <laughs> and he says, we didn't used to have the polio vaccine either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in style. Like, I'm not laughing. I'm just kind of standing there stunned uh, that, that he would compare the importance of a backsplash to the importance of the polio vaccine. And I'm thinking, you are a very interesting person. So he turns to the electrician and he says, she doesn't want a backsplash. And the electrician says, fine with me, it makes my job easier. You know, he doesn't have to cut into tile to install electrical outlets and so forth. So the contractor seemed to grasp that it was a losing battle. And then when the job was complete, he said, that doesn't actually look that bad. I said, I know. <laughs> it's nice and clean. Yep. <laughs> then he asked for photos. Now we left our friends in the middle of the chase. Fennel, along with Janik, Harley, and Frederick, aka Hunter, have the elves after them. Derry, with Skimnoddle and Jaskellan guiding the Travoy with Kier on it, have made it through the maze that is Bolivar Chasm, across the meadow to the Lakewood, but Gilvray and company are all too close on their heels. Gatekeeper's Deception by Krista Wallace Chapter 29. It is all very complicated. In the early afternoon, Roman sent Kian out for some fresh air, and Jory went to fetch more herbs from the gardens. Roman placed her amplification device on Alon's belly again. Val waited until she was through. "'If you need me for any reason,' he said, "'I'm going to go see if I can be of assistance to Governor Plushak while Kian is, more or less, out of commission.' He was a few paces from the door when Roman stopped him. My lord! He turned back to see atypical distress on the prime healer's face. I wouldn't trouble you, sir, only, with Jory and Lord Kean not here, I thought it was a good opportunity. Val returned to the bedside. I've always been a proponent of taking advantage of opportunities, he encouraged her and sat in Kean's chair. It's just that... Her expression had resumed its usual placidity, but she lowered her voice and spoke quickly. "'I've not been dishonest with Lord Kean, but I have omitted certain details. Perhaps it is foolish of me, but I keep hoping your company will return with the medicine. I have assumed that since there has been no word in all this time, they at least have learned something, or else they would have returned long ago.' She waved her hands. "'Never mind.' "'The fact is, Lord Valraker—' The baby's heartbeat has grown steadily fainter and fainter over the last couple of weeks. I don't know what to tell him. Just now, sir, I could not hear it at all. Roman sank onto the bed and sobbed into her hands. Valraker crossed his legs and stroked his chin. He set his mind to stringing the right words together to tell his best friend that their efforts had failed. A shimmering archway. A gate. Too much jolting, pain, throbbing pain. I must wake up, wake up. Something's wrong. They need my help. Who are you kidding? You can't do anything. Broken. We have to get to Barthelon Castle. Fennel was filled with an ever-increasing sense of foreboding. The chasm was dead ahead, and Derry and the others were nowhere in sight. Behind them, the hoofs of the elves pounded nearer and nearer. Down in the chasm is our only chance. Jiskellin let go of Trig's bridle and leapt aside. "'Carry on!' he cried to Skimnoddle. "'Don't wait!' Skimnoddle sped past him. Jaskellan gripped his staff before him and crossed his arms as though embracing a child. He closed his eyes and delved into the recesses of his body to his depth of understanding, all his training. He concentrated, and the words puffed out from between his tight lips. It isn't much, but it will help. He turned, and in spite of the aching in his short legs, ran full out to catch up. Gilvray was in the lead, his guide by his side. Together they dashed across the meadow, the other riders close behind. But before they were halfway across the field, something odd happened. Gilvray felt as though he'd been sucked into some gelatinous substance. He could still breathe, he could still feel the pounding of his heart. He could hear the squeal of his horse. He tried to look around, but his every movement had been slowed, sluggish, as if he were wading through mud. Panic rose in his throat, and he felt a cry of anguish build, but when he went to let it out, his teeth and lips struggled to part even slightly. "'What is happening?' When he finally burst out of it, whatever it was, it was like being shoved from behind. He fell off his horse, who, in the aftermath of its panic, bolted. The rest of the men erupted out in a similar fashion. Some lost horses as Gilvray had, and every one, to a man, needed a moment to recover. They had travelled only about half the width of the meadow, and Gilvray could not tell how long it had taken. It was as if time had stopped. "'Light!' "'Derry shouted and felt like crying. "'Through the exit to—' "'Derry slowed down, sensing that something was not right. "'Oh, no. "'About ten paces from the edge of the wood, "'he stopped and dismounted. "'Skimnoddle pulled up alongside, followed by Juskellan. "'Juskellan looked a question at Derry, "'and the captain held a finger to his lips. "'Skimnoddle remained with Kier while they stepped cautiously "'toward the edge to peek out beyond the wood. "'Another meadow, just like the one on the western side, "'though narrower.' The sandy face of the ravine bordered the meadow on the far side, and the V-shaped pathway where the water used to escape the confines of the lake was close by. A cloud of dust filled the downward trail from the upland, underscored by more pounding hooves. The dust descended the hill, resolving, as it neared, into riders. "'They can't have sent men around, can they?' Derry crouched back behind a thick-barked tree." "'It's Fennel!' Diskellan cried as their friends reached the bottom of the trail and raced across the meadow toward them. Aching legs notwithstanding, the mage jumped out of the cover of trees and waved his arms wildly. Derry joined them, relief flooding through him. "'Success!' he called. The four horsemen reined in but didn't dismount. Fennel nodded wearily. "'Thank goodness you're here! How quickly can you move?' "'We have wood elves on our tail,' Janik said." We have Gilvray and his men on ours, Derry said. We've got to go now. Exhaustion and despondency were manifest. I hope you know another way out of here, Derry said, and Fennel nodded again, his eyes scouting the ravine wall's south edge. Jiskellin hurried to Skimnoddle, who had been stroking Kier's forehead. We have to give her... The mage grabbed Trigg's bridle, saying, There's no time. I've only held Gilvray off for a few minutes, and Fennel's brought his own company. But Kier is... Move! They dragged their shattered forms into the light. Behind them, horses and men crashed through the woods. Above them, wood elves stood poised with arrows knocked. They were trapped. barthelon Castle, we have to get there. Kier's eyes opened. barthelon Castle, she told herself and the space before her. A shimmering archway like ripples in the air formed next to her, about five paces away. The archway was hers, effortless; she had made it; she could unmake it if she wanted to, it felt so natural. Through that archway she could see a sort of town; plains spread out around it; in the centre of the town rose a gigantic structure-she had never seen it before, but she knew it-Barthelen Castle. "Kate," she said in a weak laryngitic whisper. She became aware of others around her. Gate, she said louder. It was important that they hear her. She swallowed. Gate, she croaked. Giskellan stood poised, staff in hand, in a quandary over which way to look. Some of the elves remained at the top while the rest had begun a swift descent. They'd be here in moments. More dangerous was Gilvray, whom the mage could hear getting closer and closer. The Moabi wanted desperately to slow them down again. But I'm so tired. He scolded himself. You're a battle mage, a shaman. Mere depletion should not prevent him from success in battle. He drew his staff in and bowed his head. A strange sound permeated his brief attempt at concentration. He looked up, wondering at its source. He heard it again, this time recognizing it for what it was. He scurried over to Kierre, whose eyes were open and flashing with desperation to get someone's attention. She met his startled gaze and immediately flipped her head to one side. He instantly realized what she'd said. "'Gate!' Deskellan gasped and thanked his gods he was the one who had heard her. He was the only one who would understand the significance of this. He saw what lay on the other side of the gate, and in the crux of the moment, the fact that she could do what he could not did not matter. "'Can you hold it open for us all?' he asked breathlessly. She nodded. The mage jumped up. "'Everyone, this way!' Nobody moved. They were too bewildered. "'The gate! Go!' he pointed at it with his staff. "'There's no time to lose!' "'Fennel looked at him fearfully, but seemed to know "'that if there was a time to trust his comrade, it was now. "'The elf, with Harley behind him, raced through the gate. "'Gilvray urged his horse on as if he were the one being pursued. "'He could see his quarry through the last few trees. "'He drew his sword and cried out. "'The sun blinded him as he broke out of the wood, "'and he lifted his arm to shade his eyes. "'The sight that met them caused him to catch his breath.' Derry Morant kicked his heels into the flanks of his war horse and galloped through—what was it? A doorway? Made of nothing. Juskellan, the Moabi mage, was the only one left. He and Kier Haladin fastened down on a travoy being drawn by her horse. What trauma had befallen the fascinating girl who had so captivated him, then betrayed him? As Juskellan led the animal through the doorway, she lifted her head just a little— she smiled at him. The doorway popped into nothingness, like a soap bubble. They were gone. He leapt off his horse and looked frantically for the door. His flailing arms felt nothing. He searched the grass for a clue. Hoofs, footprints, the trails of Kier's travoy being dragged, all of them came to an abrupt end. They had vanished. He looked around at his men, their jaws were open in astonishment equal to his own. A company of wood elves rushed up, their pace slowing substantially, their faces showing utter bafflement. Still panting from the chase, Major Ryerson Gilvray cleared his throat. He glanced down at his drawn sword and sheathed it, feeling utterly foolish. "'Well, men?' He couldn't keep the frustration from his voice. He'd been foiled. There were no two ways about it. "'It seems they have eluded us.' We will just have to head up that pathway there. We should be home in about a week. What do we tell the Colonel? Marcus Fleming asked. Perhaps there was no need to tell Colonel Greenberg about the cave breach. Gilvray sighed and thought of Kier, then he thought of his wife and his heart ached. There's always the truth. Derry sat on Donegal's back, breathing hard, staring at the sight before him. "'After the sounds of the chase, the pounding hooves and cries, "'the sudden silence was like awakening from a frantic nightmare. "'The breeze ruffled his hair. "'The journey they had just taken defied reason. "'He had heard of gates before, "'but he'd heard it was a tremendously powerful spell. "'He also knew that a gate could only be created to a destination "'the caster could either see at that moment or had been to.'" Kier claimed she had never been to Barthellon Castle, so how could she have opened a gate to it? Thoughts flashed through the captain's mind as he waited in the field of brome and bluegrass. The dots of red and white clover and the bright yellow of buttercups were a wash of colour to his unfocused eyes. His heart sank deeper. Kier lay with closed eyes. Creating and maintaining the gate had worn her out. "'The gate is proof that she's been here before,' to deliver a blue serpent necklace? Derry finally absorbed the silence around him. His dazed expression regarded his companions, who sat or stood expectantly, too stunned themselves to speak. The captain took charge again. He cleared his throat. Let's go, he nudged Donagill forward, then paused. I think it would be best if I tell Valraker about this. The others nodded wordlessly. "'Who comes?' the sentry at the gate asked. "'Captain Derry Morant, to see Lord Valraker, if he's here,' Derry hastily added, "'and Lord Kean. On what business?' Derry began to formulate a diplomatic answer, but caught himself. "'By the gods, man, we have the medicine for Lady Alain Mare. The guards started visibly at that and ordered his men to stand aside. Derry and the others flew past and into the courtyard. They dismounted by the stables and hostlers rushed out to meet the riders. "'Harley, you stay with Kier, please. I will make sure someone is sent down to take her to the House of Healing,' Derry ordered as he took out his portion of the ingredients. "'You,' he said to Frederick, "'had better stay out of sight. Kian is not likely in the frame of mind to deal with your issues just now.' The captain added Kier's sack of red cave dust to his collection. He passed close by the exiled former captain and surprised himself. For my part, he said, low, I'm willing to put in a good word. Frederick's face blanked in equal surprise. Jerry, flanked by Janik and Juskellan, followed by Fennel and Skimnoddle, walked up the curved stone hill to the main doors. The steward, Moira, happened to be heading toward the door from the gardens and immediately recognized the significance of the group's arrival. She opened the doors for them. "'Moira, where is Lord Kean? And is Lord Val here yet?' She bobbed her head. "'Yes, sir. Lord Val only arrived about three days ago. You'll find them together in my lady's chamber. Shall I escort you?' Yes, thank you. That would probably be a good idea. Derry's long stride easily kept pace with her through the foyer and up the stairs. Their boots plodding was muted by the straw mats on the floor in the corridor, and Derry was charmed by the baskets of fresh flowers along the walls. When someone is ill, it's important to keep everyone's spirits up. The candelabra flashed past as they hastened, and finally Moira's steps took a curve, and she stopped outside a door. I must warn you to prepare yourselves the lady is quite altered you know Moira knocked a voice answered and she opened the door Captain Derry and company my lords Derry hurried in to where Kean and Val both had leapt to their feet unable to mask their hopeful and expectant expressions Derry was relieved to see the healer there as well he wouldn't have to repeat himself My lords we have been successful He held out his hands and the items they carried. Val emptied the tea tray of its usual burdens and brought it over. Each one laid his share of the items on the tray, which Val placed on the tea trolley. Skimnoddle placed his little clay bottle proudly next to the other items. The healer rushed over and began peeking inside pouches and sacks. Fennel clutched the water skin of sap to his chest, unwilling to give it up after all he went through to get it, which, Derry suddenly realized, I don't know anything about. "'The reunion with their friends and the abrupt decision "'to walk through a magical gate had all happened so quickly. "'Talima,' Derry said to Roman, pointing out the little flower, "'the lichen is called Falander, and there's this.' "'He opened the sack of dust and offered it to her to peer into. "'Fennel has sap from the tree of life, too.' "'Derry sighed, and his shoulders sagged. "'The journey was over. "'The mission was complete.' The other four travellers sank into chairs or leaned against furniture. Derry finally noticed Kian, who stood just as tall and proud as ever, leaning against the headboard of the bed. We went end to end of the guarded realm for this stuff, Val. You have no idea how— What do I do with it? Roman asked. Derry turned to her. What do you mean? I thought you'd know. Roman shook her head. I've never seen this before, she indicated the lichen. I've used Talima, but as a massage oil, not for medicine. And this, she played with the string on the sack, this is dirt. What am I supposed to do with dirt? Her voice rose in near panic. And there has to be a spell or an incantation. It's something about the dry ingredients and an extract from the flour. Kami didn't tell us anything else. He only told us the ingredients. Derry's fatigue and frustration were mounting. "'If you'll excuse me, Captain,' came Skimnoddle's best orator's voice, "'Camey has not told us anything. He has only shared information with Kier. Kier Val straightened, darting a glance around. "'Where's Kier? "'Wounded,' Derry pulled himself back together. "'She took a bad fall outside the Indian Caves.' "'Val's eyebrows shot upward. "'Getting the ingredients here was priority, so we left her down in the courtyard. "'We need to get her to the healing rooms.' "'Will she know how I am to prepare these things?' Roman asked. Derry shrugged. "'She may, if Kami has told her yet.' Roman looked confused, but brushed it off, speaking impatiently. "'Well, it sounds like treating her wounds may be of equal importance.' Derry tried not to feel scolded for his lack of foresight. He started to follow the prime healer out the door, but stopped, a dark thought having skipped back into his memory— "'Harley can tell her about Kier,' he decided. "'Turning back to Val and Kian, unable to make himself glance over at the lady, "'he thrust quavering words to his lips. "'Does,' he began, cleared his throat, began again. <clears> throat> "'Does Alonmer wear a necklace shaped like a blue serpent?' "'He dreaded the answer and felt his comrades stiffen to attention.' "'Yes,' Kean replied, with just a hint of surprise, either that the question should be asked or that Derry should know about the necklace. Derry felt the way he had when he was told his parents had died in the pestilence. Giskellan's voice came softly from the corner by the door. "'Please remove the necklace, my lord. We have reason to believe it is what has made the lady ill.' Kian and Val reacted as if a fireball had just blasted through the window. They rushed over to Alon Mare, who went into a frenzy as the two elves tried to remove the serpent. Jiskelon rushed over to help. "'Let me, my lords.' They restrained Alon while the mage, with a handkerchief around his hands, unclasped the deadly trinket and wrapped it in the cloth. "'I will take this upstairs to Quiven for examination.' He hastened from the room. Kian's face had turned grey like his hair. The workings of internal rage showed in the lines on his forehead and the pulsing tension in his jaw. Derry knew that the High Elf would very quickly need to lay blame somewhere and carry out that rage on someone he wanted out of the room badly. "'How do you know this?' the fuming duke's voice was ironically calm. Derry cleared his throat. "'If it hadn't been necessary to remove the necklace to save the life of Alonmaer, "'he would have wished he hadn't brought it up. "'He caught Fennel's eye, and the blonde Woodolph's gaze warned him to watch himself. "'It is a theory we have developed over the last few weeks, "'begun by some information we received. "'How did you know about the necklace?' Valraker asked. "'We were told by—by someone connected—that it was a possibility.' We don't know that individual's sources. That's why I had to ask if the necklace was real. But now that I know it is, I— want to know all about this, Kian said through clenched teeth. Derry held up his hands. My lord, I'm not prepared That is my wife lying there, Kian yelled, pointing at the wasted form on the bed. She is dying, and so is my child. If someone has murdered my wife and child, I want to know who did it. His fury was a wave on the sandy shore carrying him across the room nearer and nearer to Derry. The captain stood his ground. "Lord Kean, I don't think this is the right I don't care what you think." Derry knew it was emotion speaking through Kean, but the words slapped him. Val put a restraining hand on his friend's elbow. Kean flung him off but moved his focus from Derry to Val. "'Go out, Kian,' the dark elf said in a low, insistent tone. "'Speak to no one. "'Go down the back way to the armory and cut a practice dummy to ribbons. "'I will speak to my people and report to you later.' "'There was no arguing when Valraker spoke in that manner. "'Not even Kian Barthelen dared counter him. "'The high elf spared no glance for anyone in the room but swished out of the chamber.' "'Jory, the healer-apprentice, returned just then, rushing over to the bed. "'Where is her necklace?' she cried. "'We have removed it,' Valraker said. "'Jory sighed in relief and turned to Derry and the others. "'She said something about the serpent necklace, that we should take it off the lady, "'so Roman sent me up here. "'Your friend is now in the healing rooms.' "'Has Kier told the healer about Kami's instructions?' Fennel asked. "'No, not yet. "'She's asking for the captain here.' A jumble of confusion and surprise welled up inside Derry. Val nodded to him, so he excused himself. Left upstairs, the remaining three members of the little party waited in silence. Fennel watched the door close behind the captain. He used a hand to push his weight away from the bureau he'd been leaning on and breathed deeply. His eyes met Val's. "'You've had quite a journey, huh?' Val said. Fennel was too weary to nod. "Yep." "'Val glanced at Alon's limp form and turned back to the wood elf. "'Why don't we go down to the study and I'll call for some refreshment. "'You can start your story.' "'I don't know how much we should say without Derry,' Fennel said. "'Fair enough, but I'm sure Derry will be back soon.' "'Valraker led them down the hall to Kian's study, where they were soon joined by Jiskelon, "'who told them that the castle wizard had begun work on the necklace.' "'Val asked the servant in the hall "'to bring some extra chairs from the library "'prior to going to fetch some food for the travellers. "'He poured them each a cup of wine and made them sit. "'He took Kian's chair behind the oak desk. "'Can you at least tell me how Kier was injured?' "'The friends looked round at each other. "'Jeskel opened his mouth to speak, "'then seemed to have trouble finding the words. "'I understand the accident occurred at the Indian caves,' "'Val prompted. "'Yes.' "Well, you must understand that it is all very complicated," Jaskellen said. "The accident?" "No, the accident itself was quite simple; the circumstances surrounding it are more complex." Jaskellen struggled with the story. Janik plunged ahead. "She fell over the side of a precipice while in the action of impaling another woman with her sword; they went over together." Then, "The other woman died he added, to clarify the contrast between the two women's outcomes. Who was she? We met up with another party along the way. She was a member of that group. Geskellan's choice of words reminded the others not to say too much about it. By this time, Fennel had worked out a summary. "'You see, we met with Camie, who took a liking to Kier. He and she spent the evening together, and then he gave her the information about the cure, but she sort of heard it in her mind from time to time, as if he were only telling her what she needed to know at any given moment. We found the lichen in the cold fells, and she and I were stuck underground after the earthquake.' "'Janak interrupted. "'Then we were fired at by those—' "'Never mind that just now,' "'Jeskelon warned him. "'We, Skimnoddle, located the Talima "'in a town called Seaview, "'and then we headed to the Inden Caves for the dust.' "'Valraker leaned forward. "'I'm curious about this part, I confess. "'It has been many years since I was in the caves. "'I wonder how much they have changed.' "'You've been to the Inden Caves?' "'Fennel asked. "'Val smiled. "'You're so surprised.' "'The Indan Caves are a dark elvish centre. "'I am a dark elf, after all.' "'Fennel gaped. "'Dark elvish? "'I guess they were elvish, but how did we miss that?' "'We missed it because Kier did not tell us,' Joscelyn muttered, "'just like she did not tell us a lot of things. "'Maybe she did not know.' Janet glared at the mage as Fennel stood up suddenly, wine sloshing on his tunic. How dare you bring that up right after warning us not to say anything about... Valraker's voice halted their heated words. Never mind. Tell me nothing that you do not wish to share without Derry. He waited for the two to compose themselves before saying, Just tell me about going into the caves. Fennel sat and dropped his chin onto his hand. Jiskellan sighed. We don't know. You see, we were... "'Separated from Kier and she made her own way there. "'We didn't even know she was there until she came rushing out, "'stabbed the woman, and fell over the brink. "'We haven't shared more than two words with Kier in over a week.' "'A knock sounded on the door, and Derry entered. "'Harley was with him. "'The captain maintained his stoic countenance long enough to introduce the newcomer. "'It is an honour to meet you, sir,' Harley bowed. "'Val glanced around at his spent group of warriors and smiled. "'I'm sure at some point I will learn how you came to fit into this mix. "'I understand much of the story is difficult to tell.' "'He invited Harley to sit and gave him some wine. "'First, my captain, tell us what just transpired.' "'Derry sank into a chair. Kier told us how to make the cure. "'Roman has already begun preparing the medicine and readying the incantation. "'It will be ready in four hours.' Well, thank goodness, The Cure will be ready soon, and we hope it has the desired effect on Mare. But it seems Kier's problems are not over yet. Tune in next week when answers lead to more questions. You know what I think is a kind of social tragedy? When someone doesn't get your sense of humor. We went to this little shop a bunch of years ago. It was another cheese shop, actually. I assure you, this cheese shop was willing to cut wedges in our desired size. They could teach a few things to Paris. Having said that, well, they also sold gelato. The sign said it was made from all natural ingredients. So naturally, I had to ask, is the hedgehog gelato made from real hedgehogs then? It's so tragic when such a basic joke as that is greeted with a blank stare. And taking it one step further are the people who explain jokes on Facebook. Just, just don't. And hey, I'm now half-vaccinated. Hooray! One step closer to hugs, people. Thank you, thank you to my family. Matt, David and Heather, and Maggie. For so many reasons... One of which is that they get my humor. Thanks, David and Sharon. Probably gave me a lot of it. Hey, Original Six, I hope you're still smiling. And you know what comes next? Thank you, dear listeners, for being a part of this process. If you're enjoying it, tell everyone you know. If not, I'm not sure why you're here, actually, but hey, who am I to question your choices? Cheers, everybody! Now, go be fantastic.